We're on a thousand planets and spreading out. Open the pod bay doors, Hal. Danger, Will Robinson. Danger. Look, up in the sky, it's a bird! It's a plane! It's the Batmoles. May the force be with you. Who is that masked man? Avengers, assemble! Good afternoon and welcome to the Fantastic Forum. I'm Ulysses E. Campbell. We'll begin with some genre-related news before we get to today's discussion. Scott Dunbier has coordinated some of the biggest names in the U.S. comic book industry for Comics for Ukraine, Sunflower Seeds, a 96-page anthology to raise money for Ukrainian war refugees. Proceeds, which are estimated to reach as high as half a million dollars, will go to Los Angeles-based disaster relief agency Operation USA. Although the publication date is uncertain, depending on how much is raised through pre-orders after a month, three days after launching, it has raised $78,000 on the Zoop crowdfunding site. The hardcover edition features a cover by painter Alex Ross. Three different soft covers were designed by Arthur, Ab- <laughs> Arthur Adams, Dave Johnson, and Bill Sinkevich. Among the other talent donating work are Brent Anderson, Sergio Argonas, June Brigman, Kurt Busiek, Howard Chaikin, Joshua Dysart, Mark Evanier, Emil Ferris, Dave Gibbons, Rob Guillory, John Lehman, Gabriel Rodriguez, Stan Sakai, Louise Simonson, Walter Simonson, Chris Sprouse, Jill Thompson, Matt Wagner, and Mark Wade. Some anniversaries this week, as April 18th marked 84 years since the release of Action Comics No. 1, featuring the first appearance of Superman. And April 21st was 60 years since the Seattle Space Needle opened during the 1962 World's Fair. New trailers dropped this week for Thor, Love and Thunder, and Pixar's Lightyear. You can view the trailers on one of the Fantastic Forum social media pages. And while you're there, if you haven't already, follow us on Twitter and Instagram and like us on Facebook. We like to be followed and we love to be liked. Thor Love and Thunder opens in theaters on July 8th and Lightyear opens on June 17th. DC will celebrate the 68th birthday of George Perez with a two-page spread featuring some of his most beloved characters in each of its June periodical releases. Working from a layout designed by Dan Jurgens, some of the industry's biggest names including Jim Lee, Walter Simonson, Alex Ross, Dave Gibbons, Todd McFarlane, Daniel Sampier, Jerry Ordway, Nicholas Scott, and many more collaborated on the colorful spread. Jose Luis Garcia Lopez provided the art for the new Teen Titans, Deathstroke, and George Perez himself. Fantastic Beasts, The Secrets of Dumbledore opened domestically to a franchise low $43 million, but it was still enough to take first place at the domestic box office last weekend. The movie also did well in the overseas market and has earned over $200 million worldwide. 
summer movie season is still a few weeks away, but there are some hot new pictures opening this weekend. DreamWorks Animation The Bad Guys is projected to take first place, while Fantastic Beasts fights it out with The Northman and Sonic the Hedgehog 2. Sonic 2 continues to perform well and came in second last week. We're talking about some of the news items I read and more on today's show, but first, here is the official spoiler-free FF review of Fantastic Beasts, The Secrets of Dumbledore. Ulysses Campbell for Fantastic Forum. Warner Brothers continues one of its most robust franchises with the latest movie in the Wizarding World of Harry Potter series. Fantastic Beasts, The Secrets of Dumbledore, extends the prequels that began with the 2016 film based on J.K. Rowling's text, Fantastic Beasts and Where to Find Them. Fantastic Beasts is actually an Easter egg, having appeared as one of Harry's school books in Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone. Fugitive wizard Gellert Grendelwald remains at large following the events of 2018's Fantastic Beasts, The Crimes of Grendelwald. As the film opens, Newt Scamander is attending the birth of a rare magical creature called a Chillin' when he is ambushed by Grendelwald's henchmen. The henchmen have been sent by Grendelwald to retrieve the baby Chillin'. The creatures have a precognitive ability that the rogue wizard schemes to exploit. The battle lines are quickly drawn as young Albus Dumbledore enlists Commander to help thwart Grendelwald's plans. Dumbledore can't challenge Grendelwald directly due to a charm that prevents them from harming one another. A holdover from an earlier time when the two were in a romantic relationship. Dumbledore's army includes Livermorny School Charms Professor Lolly Hicks, Newt's Auror brother Theseus, Yusef Kama, the half-brother of the late Lita Lestrange, Muggle Baker Jacob Kowalski, and Newt's assistant, Bunty. The team has to use an unorthodox strategy in an attempt to counter the clairvoyant nature of Grindelwald's chillin'. The evil wizard has a grand plan involving Credence Barebone, Queenie Goldstein, and other thralls against Dumbledore because of the aforementioned charm. And all this unfolds against the backdrop of the election of a new leader of the magical world. Will Dumbledore's forces defeat those of Grindelwald before he can enact his nefarious plan to seize power and launch a war that will subjugate the Muggle world? Eddie Redmayne returns as Newt Scamander, author of the exotic text and expert in magical creatures. Mads Mikkelsen takes over the role of Grindelwald, which was played in the previous film by Johnny Depp. Jude Law returns as Albus Dumbledore, albeit with a considerably greater role than that of his previous appearance. Also returning are Dan Folger, Alison Sudol, Callum Turner, and Ezra Miller. Catherine Watterson, who had been featured in the earlier films, returns for what is essentially a cameo. The film also stars Jessica Williams, Poppy Corby Tooch, Richard Coyle, Victoria Yeats, Maya Bloom, Paul Lohang, and Oliver Masucci. While The Wizarding World of Harry Potter may be one of Warner's most beloved franchises, that adoration has been primarily due to the initial film series. 
A great deal has been made of the element of commercialization connected with the Fantastic Beasts movies. They're viewed as nothing more than an effort to keep the profits coming. Of course, these films aren't supported by best-selling novels like the source material was. In fact, although I like the movies, I refer to them as Harry Potter light versus the books, which offer greater depth and detail on the universe. The Fantastic Beasts movies have not been nearly as successful. While the first two were box office hits, the majority of the revenue came from the international market. Relatively speaking, these movies have struggled domestically. And then there have been the various allegations regarding the off-screen conduct of cast. One wonders whether there will be a fourth in this series, despite the fact it and Episode 5 have already been announced. The Secrets of Dumbledore had production values. With a production budget of $200 million, one would expect the movie to look great, and it does. And director David Yates is certainly familiar enough with the material to be able to deliver an entertaining picture with fan appeal. I'd expect that the producers will lean towards inclusion of characters more recognizable to fans and with a greater connection to the initial series. Or perhaps author J.K. Rowling will write a few more novels. I found Fantastic Beasts, The Secrets of Dumbledore, to be an entirely serviceable film, and I enjoyed it more than the earlier installments in the Fantastic Beasts series. Seeing young Albus Dumbledore and Minerva McGonagall and learning more about the backstory of the characters I came to like was fun. Seeing these earlier days of the Wizarding World, knowing in the broad strokes what is to come for them, was also fun. The film clocks in at 2 hours and 22 minutes, which is about what audiences have come to expect from big-budget epic tentpole pictures. There's a great deal of exposition, and consequently, the pacing is brisk. You may not realize the length. It's rated PG-13 for violence, but it is, nevertheless, a family-friendly fantasy adventure. I'd be mindful about bringing children younger than about 12 or 11. As audiences have come to expect from this franchise, there isn't any sex or questionable language. If you're a Wizarding World fan, you should have a grand time. Two stars out of four. Ulysses Campbell for Fantastic Four. And there you have it, the official FF review of Fantastic Beasts, The Secrets of Dumbledore, starring Eddie Redmayne, Jude Law, and Mads Mikkelsen, which opened in theaters nationwide last week. Now, it's time to introduce today's panel. Joining me are Roberto Ortiz, Emily Witten, and Mike Lunsford. Welcome to the show, everybody. Glad to be here. Thank you. Glad to be here. Uh, thanks for having me. Hey. Hello. Hello. I'm just glad you all keep coming back. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> yeah. We like it here. It's nice. Yeah. Uh, well, There's air conditioning here. So I, that's right. Yep. I'm it's very hot out fortunate. There. We like to be able to <laughs> offer some sort of creature comfort. That's right. So you, you guys heard the review, and yeah. I'm curious uh, if maybe... It might be time to retire the Wizarding World because <laughs> he's so you know, funny. Well, <laughs> you're so here, funny. Here's the thing. He's so funny. Here's the thing. <laughs> um, so these movies, of course, the Harry Potter movies based on the J.K. Rowling novels, all did exceptionally well. I mean, some of yeah. them like billion dollar movies, but these Fantastic Beasts movies have not done nearly as well. Now, the first one did exceptionally well. As I recall, that was somewhere over $900 million. But when I started looking up the information, it seems that that film did 75% of its box office 
overseas. Mm, yeah. mm-hmm. And so these films have struggled domestically. I mean, the second one, that didn't crack $700 million, I don't think. But again, the majority of the box office came from overseas. So now you've got this third film. Now, four and five have been announced, but mm-hmm. they, as long as they keep doing less and less business... Uh, I, I just don't see where they can justify this unless the box office from overseas again is a lot better. Now the film has made a little over two, so a little under two, over two hundred million dollars worldwide, and about uh, what was it? Um, like forty, and I'm like now I'm looking. It's like where were my numbers? Yeah, forty three million of that had come from uh, the domestic audience. So they're still struggling to find this domestic audience and Mm -hmm. at least now I think what they figured out is because uh, and somebody had to tell me this because I hadn't remembered but the Fantastic Beasts uh, was a text yes uh, in in the first movie is one of Harry's text Mm -hmm. so there is this sort of Easter egg like connection yeah Um, but now at least I think they've realized nobody really cares that much about Newt, Newt Scamander exactly but you show young Dumbledore and you bring in some more characters that the audience is familiar with, and maybe yeah. they got a fighting chance. So anyway, um, clearly, Roberto, you have some thoughts. I'd like <laughs> to hear them. There's a lot of money still left on the Harry Potter franchise. Um, the thing is that what you're saying is specifically that the international numbers are better than the domestic numbers. Uh, in one way, could be seen as a bad thing if you basically see it from a classic box, box office uh you know, distribution. But say that you wanted to do, I don't know, content streaming that you want to make sure that will sell well internationally and you have a, I don't know, streaming platform that you're launching and you want to basically have content that internationally will sell well. (laughs) What could I put there maybe exclusively that would assure me that internationally people would sign in into my you know, streaming channel just to see it. My prediction is that yes, those movies will be made, and I would not be surprised if they start announcing Wizard Week level content for HBO Max exclusively. Hmm. Mm. The same way Paramount Plus basically is just doing exclusive content for Star Trek. Because again, Star Trek sells internationally really well. Uh, so. Well, not quite exclusive yet. I think you were the one who was saying a couple of weeks ago that you had been watching Star Trek on Netflix because For there was now. still well, mm-hmm, exactly. Mm-hmm. But my point For is, now. even though it's going away from there, still not quite exclusive. But but I understand the point that you're making. The only question I would ask, and uh, I'm going to ask this question, we're going to reintroduce, and I'll get an answer, is. Uh, even given the metrics that you just described, yep. which are compelling, at two hundred million a pop plus marketing, does it make it worth it? You're yes. listening to Fantastic Forum on WERA ninety six point seven FM and streaming online via WERA FM. We are your community radio station. I'm Ulysses E. Campbell. I'm joined today by Emily Witten and Mike Lunsford, and Roberto Ortiz. And uh, uh, Mike, you haven't said anything. What do you think about what I just asked? I hope it dies. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. 
That's some aggressive. Well, you know, die, die. You're gonna need oh. to give us some follow up ahead, on that. Mike, I want to know. Very clear. See, you you grab the audience with the shocking thing first. Um, so <laughs> I love your showmanship. I, I, thank you. Um, I hope it dies, and the reason why is because ultimately we all know that a moral stand of what is right and what is wrong as far as creators and as far as content is concerned ain't gonna happen in Hollywood as long as there's money involved. Ultimately, what ends up destroying people of lesser than sterling moral fiber is capitalism. Um, perfect example I have of this is there was a Confederate flag flying proudly and large over Fredericksburg, Virginia. Ugh. And there were yeah. tons and tons of protests and um, all sorts of fervor about why it should need to be removed. And there was a big back and forth for years and years and years. And they finally took it down. And do you want to know why? Because they expanded 95. <laughs> <laughs> Commerce wins every single time. And honestly, I can't stand JK Rowling and what she stands for. And it's a shame because the thing that she created is brought together a lot of people for a lot of really, really good reasons. And it's a shame that she's become such an ugly voice of what's wrong with our world right now. And we can't stop her because of what she's created. The only thing that's gonna stop that is the box office. And if that continues to dwindle, then this will go away. I just don't know if that's gonna happen. I wish it would, because I hate seeing money go to her pocket. It's the reason why I'll never step foot in a Universal Studios park, because she gets a mm. piece of that ticket. Every ticket you buy to go to Universal Studios goes to her in some way, shape, or form, and I'm not interested in that. But a funny thing that you mentioned, mm. that, and I'm sorry because I know Emily is Emily Stern, but I just wanted to mention, <laughs> there's a rumor in Hollywood specifically that there's a lot of pressure on Rowling to sell to Warner Bros. Mm. A lot. I wouldn't be surprised by that. What's so interesting about this conversation to me is that Roberto has very good points. Mike has very good points. And then I struggle with this a lot um, when it comes to divorcing the creator from the creation. I don't agree with what J.K. Rowling is saying, to be clear. But uh, let's look at Orson Scott Card, for oh instance. Oh, my God. Don't give me a yes. uh, <laughs> uh, Yeah. Orson Scott Card has uh, made statements that are homophobic and or yep. you know, hateful and or some spectrum of all of that. I don't agree with any of that. Ender's Game was very impactful on my thoughts, emotions, growth, etc. And even if Orson Scott Card intends something else... It doesn't take away from the book that he wrote in the way that I read it, which makes this so difficult because a lot of people have read Harry Potter as, uh, you know, a positive thing, you know, like the, you know, the, the Slytherins and Voldemort more like the Nazis, you know, like all of these different comparisons that can be made. The where, bloods, yeah. Right. Before, before J.K. Rowling started speaking about a specific issue, it seemed very clear that she was, so to speak, on the side of good, you know, of inclusiveness, et cetera. And now there's a division as to what she's saying, what she means, all this different stuff, and or if she is saying and meaning things that are hateful or non-inclusive, how does that affect the actual literature, and not only the literature itself, but your enjoyment and experience of it? So if this has had a great impact on your life in a positive way, and then the creator comes out and is negative, how do you deal with that? 
And this is not something I have an easy answer for. I struggle with this, with Orson Scott Card, with J.K. Rowling, with all of the people who have come out, or who have, who have been outed, not come out themselves, been outed as sexual harassers or various other issues that are going on, you know, s- some sort of disrespect, hate, or as Terry Pratchett said, sin starts with treating people as things. There's a lot of gray after that, but the biggest sin is treating people as things. And so I I love Terry Pratchett. If you've ever listened to me talk about it, you'll know. (laughs) But this is one of the most profound statements he made as a satirist, you know, and and a writer and a fiction writer. You know, he had a scene where where it was uh, a witch debating with a religious leader and the religious leader was trying to explain some of the nuances. And she said, that's all fine. But where it starts is with people treating other people as things you know, not equals, not respecting, etc. And so when you get a creator who is doing that, but who has also written something that you've identified with as a person in a an opening, you know, good, positive way, like this is liberating, this is someone who understands what I'm going through, it's really hard to separate that. And so I agree with Mike's saying, you know, he doesn't support what J.K. Rowling, the author, is saying as a, as a person. But if you read Harry Potter's stories, now I've also seen people who, you know, in retrospect are like, oh, the stories are not great. They're, they're not very good books. They got better. But, but they there's, got better. Yeah, they got there's better, a yeah. lot of positives in the, th- There are many positives in the books. They are pretty quality literature, especially by the time they've developed into the, you know, l- later books. I'm not going to denigrate the books themselves mm. out, out of mm. hand. Mm-hmm. So this is a real difficulty for me. Yeah. Yeah. And I appreciate you articulating all that because it's a very serious question. And uh, how much the art uh, it should be kind of held responsible for the artist. And I also understand the point that Mike was making because as long as what we are dealing with is a commerce driven system then the only way to register a certain degree of discontent with what somebody some some uh, it, some something somebody has expressed is to hit them in their pocketbook and that means boycotting the art itself which may not necessarily deserve that you know I mean, and, 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 and the yeah. art can support a number of people outside of the one creator that is that's true another too. big ethical issue people yep. say oh mm-hmm. i want to take the money away from this person and it's like what about the entirety of everyone else who signed on for this yeah. project and, and then people will say well they knew what a... they were getting into well maybe they didn't or maybe no. this is the job the opportunity that came to them i've done jobs it's not jobs a binary that, decision exactly mm-hmm. yeah no, i mean i've done not. jobs i i didn't necessarily think were the best choice for my career ever but also i needed to pay the rent yeah. you know i mean uh, there's a practical side to all <laughs> of that there's practicality yeah. there mm-hmm. and but so as far as go there's no ethical consumption in capitalism oh, <laughs> boy, boy, you said, my I, daughter was just saying that to me the other day <laughs> you know i mean it, and it was in connection with uh, a sticky situation that I had in terms of deciding um, a particular contractor to go with, you know. Mm. I mean, and basically, mm. here's my little girl saying, "Well, Daddy, they're all bad." You know? <laughs> so much. I don't know that it makes you a difference hope that in terms of that. One of them of that. might not be, you yeah. know, uh, yeah, uh, you, Roberto. Mm? As you know, Muley, um, uh, you know me for a while. I used to, before I basically do what I did. One of the things I used to do on the, ch- on the side is I used to work as a gaffer, mm. and I've been on a couple of sets. Um, when you work at a gaffer on a set, 
And right please now, tell people who don't know. I know what a gaffer is, but basically, not everybody is, might. it's a person who basically moves equipment, mm -hmm. lights, and stuff on a set. And they tell you do this, carry these lights over here, and you're okay. And you carry the lights over there, and you put them, and you connect them to it, and you make the other people in the set look good. <laughs> anyway, um, long story short, I, I should hire you. <laughs> you come over here <laughs> that was and a, make that me was look a good long all the time. time <laughs> but, Sorry, God. But working on that kind of environment, and you as an actor can attest to this, people start talking, and they start talking about experiences in terms of what's happening in the industry and stuff that doesn't make it into the regular public. And there's a story you know that you wish to go, you didn't know. Hmm. <laughs> and it makes you realize that a lot of the people who you see in the public sphere have public personas that not necessarily equate to the personal lives and personal beliefs. Mm -hmm. and it reminds me of uh, Alfred Hitchcock, it reminds me of Errol Flynn, and it reminds me of Charlie Chaplin. Especially Chaplin, who basically was mm. super anti-fascist. And he liked 14-year-old kids. Yeah. <laughs> or Errol Flynn, who made one of my favorite Robin Hood movies and basically did amazing pirate films, blah, 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 and he was a Nazi. And then Alfred Hitchcock, who basically, I love his whole filmography, and he basically, behind the scenes, abused a lot of the girls who basically, in terms of forcing them to do something they didn't want to do, because he could. He and this is exactly the difficulty I'm talking yeah, about. Yeah, there's a yeah. lot. John, John Hurt was a monster behind the scenes. I mean, I could go on yeah. on and on. On It's like, if you do this, uh, uh, John Wayne, who I love his oh. films, yeah. he was He was really an objectionable Highly problematic. Human. Well, yeah, yes. horrible racist. <laughs> yes, yeah. absolutely. Well, I, I yes. had the experience working on the set of um, House of Cards. Huh? And uh, that, that final season, hey, we had started shooting, and I then know. all of a sudden the stuff came out about Kevin Spacey, and mm -hmm. it was like... You know, that was it. And, you know, a bunch of people were out of work suddenly. Yeah. And I remember thinking, I was one of them. <laughs> one of the, you know, I remember thinking at the time, geez, you know. The, but, see, the other flip side of this is what was going on with Kevin Spacey was probably one of the worst kept secrets in Hollywood. And he happened yeah. a people, lot. People yes. knew. Yeah. And, and yeah. part of the problem is... I thought is he was making eyes at me one day at lunch. Uh, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like, I, mean, I don't I mean, think I'm young enough for you, Mr. <laughs> Spacey. <laughs> but part of the problem when these stories do finally make it to the public is that people have known for years, and it's a badly kept secret, as you say. And uh, there's a great article I'll recommend people to Captain Awkward. Um, that's the name of the, the internet persona of the mm, person who writes mm, these articles. Mm. And one of them is called The Missing Stare. And it's this great story, uh, ex example. S-T-A-R-E? S-T-A-I-R. Oh, Stare, okay. like stare in the stairs. Um, okay, and basically I thought it's like, like... You should have been looking at him, but you weren't. No, no okay. it's it's the sort of thing where you're in a friend group. Sorry, you're, you're in a friend group. And um, so let's say you buy a house. Okay. And you... A, a, a stare breaks. Yes. And you're used to it. So you just skip over it. Oh. And you just keep going. And you keep going. And you just get used to skipping over the stair. Yeah. And if someone comes over, you're just like, oh, step over the stair. It's fine. The yeah, same way like, oh, you get a problematic yeah. person in your friend group or yeah. in your industry group in yeah. this instance, and people are just, they and I've had yeah. this happen to me, yeah. they pull you aside quietly and they say, don't get too close to that creepy hugger. Don't get too close to that so-and-so person. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Don't oh. do that because I'm warning you as a newbie to the group 
that this person has skirted at least the lines yeah, of inappropriateness, if not worse. Mm -hmm. Now, some people don't get warned. And then that's even more problematic. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So you might get warned, you might not get warned, but the friends group has accepted that this person's little quirk is that they're a rapist. Well, acquiesce you know, to it. I mean, right. no, accepted I'm, I'm is kind of strong, but I, one I way or the other, I mean, enough. you know, they tacit have, acceptance. But the, sort of yeah, the idea you know? of the comparison is they're so used to. It was yeah. like a gradual thing that came on. Like your stair breaks a little, and then it breaks a little more, and suddenly you've got a missing stair. Mm -hmm. So the person may have like touched someone inappropriately, or or. Hung out with them a little too long, making mm -hmm. them uncomfortable, and then something gets worse. And in the entertainment industry, this is rampant. Yep. Mm -hmm. It's I I don't know if it's worse, but it seems worse than in other industries <laughs> because there's so much uh, nebulousness to the money and power structure. Like you go into a company, and there are more structures. You go into like the military, and there are more structures. I'm not saying it doesn't happen in those places because it does, but it does seem like you go into these entertainment areas and things are more wild, wild west. Um, it's I will go. I will speak from experience as a member of management in a corporate environment. I won't say the company because that, I don't feel that that's appropriate. It's still terrible, right, Mike? Sorry. It's, it's just as bad. <laughs> it's just as bad. Yeah. And I want to make, make this clear. I, I completely agree with what you're saying. And I go back to it can't it's not a simple solution yeah because a perfect example we'll use sexual harassment as an example okay mm -hmm. we all know it's wrong we all know we're not supposed to do it but if you were the recipient of it there is a certain amount of logic that pops into your head of i don't want to cause a fuss because then i'm going to look like the the problem person mm -hmm. i'm going yeah. to be perceived as the issue and i don't want to upset the apple cart yeah it comes like, off as shame yeah. that you shouldn't have you shouldn't no. have it but mm -hmm. you do None of us should. but but guys you're 100% correct but one thing to mention specifically is that we have to accept that corporations do have corporate culture and structure that basically is inherited and hollywood has been like this since the tens, since the twenties of the last yeah. century. Mm -hmm. yeah. I mean, yeah. seriously, read up on the nasty with, stuff with that acting, is with comics oh creation, with God. writing. You don't have to have gone through a structure with training. You don't. You can get there without the education that sometimes teaches not to do these things or that it's not acceptable. You can just jump over that and get to the creative aspect without knowing how to behave. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But therein lies well, the well, problem hold, with that Mike, too, hold that, hold, Mike, hold that thought one second, because that musical cue means it's time for us to take a short break. Of course, Fantastic Forum comes to you via WERA 96.7 FM in Arlington, Virginia. We're a community station. That means, among other things, that we're non-commercial. We rely upon the ongoing generosity of our underwriters, sponsors, and our listeners to be able to continue providing you with the quality programming you have come to expect from WERA. Visit the website at WERA.FM or that of our parent organization, Arlington Independent Media at ArlingtonMedia.org to find out how you can make your tax-deductible gift in support of this wonderful institution that is community media today. But, look, we're going to pause momentarily to acknowledge our underwriters and to promote some of the other fine WERA shows coming up later tonight. Stick around, because Emily and Roberto and Mike and I are going to be right back. Mike's going to pick up where he left off, so... Hang out. We'll be right back, folks.
And welcome back to the Fantastic Forum here on WERA 96.7 FM and streaming online via WERA.FM. We are Arlington. I'm Ulysses E. Campbell. I have the privilege of being joined today by Roberto Ortiz, Emily Witten, and Mike Lunsford. And when we took the break, Mike was about to make a point. Mike. <laughs> I... I agree with Emily's point that when it comes to Hollywood, you literally can come in with zero training because if you're pretty, guess what? You can get on in front of a camera. That's pretty much how an entire family called the Kardashians became famous. <laughs> well, and that's pro- yeah. <laughs> well, there's there's that too, yes. Um, the, the issue that we run into with this though is Hollywood is such a nepotistic yeah. society to begin with. Yeah. And mm-hmm. like, it's all about who you know. It's influence. So even if, exactly, and if somebody has the right training and the right upbringing and the right pedigree as far as what they should do, it doesn't matter if people don't like them. Well, you know what? Um, This person is the nephew of my friend, so I'm gonna go ahead and hire them instead. We see it all the time. And like, it's it's rampant. That's the problem is, it, it frustrates me because I see so many conservative people who love running their mouths about everything and all these crazy conspiracy theories, but there's a certain kernel of truth to those conspiracy theories. And like, they're like, Hollywood's corrupt. And you're like, yeah, yeah, right. Pretty much. And and also Mike, we're not, we are talking about Hollywood, but not just talking about Hollywood entertainment, creative works as a whole. Yeah. Let's be honest. Not everyone has the same levels of ability to create something. I'm not saying they, they might, you know, they can develop it, but not everyone actually brings a project to fruition or has mm-hmm. the charisma yeah. on screen or et cetera, et cetera. So the talent is sought, even if the behavior of the talent is not appropriate or if it comes out later that it's not appropriate, but it's like the talent is theoretically somewhat rare or at least the success of the talent like the ability to have the talent and also produce something but the problem is basically is that the concept of morality is flexible and let me explain why Mm -hmm. in the 1940s 50s 60s the concept of people who were lgbt in hollywood was considered to be something degenerate right and there's a active there was something called the sewing sewing circle thank you memory <laughs> where uh, was uh, a bunch of lesbians in Hollywood. So basically, they would meet each other doing a sewing circle, right? Mm. And now we consider basically that silly that people who basically happen to LGBT would basically have to hide that side of themselves. But that was considered something degenerate. And what I'm saying is society has changed to basically accept that that's kind of stupid now to basically see people, well, some people are trying to change that, but uh, <laughs> that some people who basically have a same different sexual orientation from people who happen to be straight like me, uh, that to be something that is wrong. My point is, Hollywood is used to having secrets, but the problem is also that there's also this thing that the culture within Hollywood is different from the outside. There's mm-hmm. a lot of open marriages in Hollywood. There's a lot of uh, swinging culture in Hollywood. There's well, a I lot think of it's stuff just that... more open then, yes. because you find all that in uh, so-called square society yes. too. Mm-hmm. You know, it just may not be as 
Well, or people aren't aware of it as much. Yes. I mean, yeah. I'm quite sure there's some swinging couples on my block. I don't know who they are because we, we're not into that. You know? And, and you also, know. Uh, you know, Roberto was talking about like the LGBTQ plus, yeah. um, but also like there, it was you know there were a lot of open secrets, and I'm sure still are issues with you know many issues. Oh, I know there yeah. are with women being exploited. By oh, God, the yes. casting, oh, the yeah. different, the producers, uh, yeah. everything. I mean, mm. we know there are recent things, but this is part of the history that you're talking about, where it was founded on this misbehavior. Well, and unfortunately, that element is prevalent through all of this misogynistic culture. Yeah, that we absolutely. Have. I mean, like regardless Mike was of saying, what it's, industry, it's incorporations and everything. Mm-hmm. But as Roberto was saying, like there is, there are at least some infrastructures in some organizations. And yep. as I was, HR basically. Yeah, HR, and not you know sometimes good, sometimes not as helpful, but hopefully mm-hmm. good. And as I was also noting, like you can become. Let's say you're a great, talented comics artist. You've worked on it in your parents, you know, home at 15 to 18 years old and then suddenly you get scouted by DC Comics. Who's giving you the training on how to behave? You are an 18-year-old or yeah, a 17-year-old or a 19-year-old whatever person who mm. has suddenly is drawing Superman or whatever and mm. you're a big deal and no one has taught you anything. Hopefully your parents taught you something, but if your parents didn't teach you something or if you didn't learn something from the ages of, you know, until you're 18 years old, whatever, you are out there in this big wide freelance world where no one is telling you that's not okay Mm -hmm. and that is why and and this goes for comics it goes for acting it goes for all of the different creative fields you you can come up through a structure where you're trained like i went to college and i had business etiquette classes okay Mm -hmm. how many Mm -hmm. people do that not everybody definitely Mm -hmm. not everybody because i know it was a little bit rare even with my school you know so i you know and i went to law school and you and as as an employee of you know the federal government i am trained every year on the sexual harassment policies and the different you know uh equality uh you know well there are serious liability issues absolutely but that's the thing not everybody gets that training and then you just see this crazy misbehavior well and i I tell you what else too yeah no it, it is mike but the other thing is there's some people who begin to use their celebrity to mm-hmm. actually exploit e- exactly Ooh. you know which is an, anyway but all that to say uh who knows what they're going to do with the wizarding world let's see what <laughs> happens with fantastic beast three this weekend well they're free and open what? conversations but I, can i say one more thing about fantastic beast though go ahead all really of the quick. yeah all of that stuff aside the first movie, at least, the second movie was all only okay. But the first movie, I loved the aesthetic and I enjoyed it for what it was. And the thing is, there are enjoyable things about that those movies, despite the difficult backstory of mm-hmm. the creators. Mm-hmm. And that is where I struggle. Mm-hmm. No, and and that's entirely reasonable. Hey, but so like I said, we'll see what happens. How much money it makes? Uh, you know, apparently the bad guys is going to be the number one movie this week. Good and, for DreamWorks, and we'll see. I mean, I you know I was kind of shocked that Sonic Two uh, it came in second last week. I mean, and who knows? Maybe it reclaims the number two spot again this week uh, as uh, Fantastic Beasts. But you falls. know why? I don't expect Fantastic Beasts to fall off as quick as Morbius. But you know, it, it, it doesn't matter. I, I want to shift because they had that uh, Thor Love and Thunder trailer, yeah, and we got cool. to see the first look yeah. at mm-hmm. Lady Thor, yeah. you know, and yeah. here was um, 
what's her face there? Come on, somebody help Natalie me out. Portman. Natalie Portman, <laughs> yes. Natalie Portman, Jane, Jane Foster. Foster. As, and this is sort of um, in a mimicking a storyline from the comics. Yeah. But mm-hmm. uh, and also a what if issue yes. from way back in the day. So you cool. Know? Yeah, so cool. Yeah. But I'll tell you, and then I actually saw uh, there was on Madeline, Natalie Portman's Twitter page or something, because she has been training for this. Oh, I And bet. Madeline Portman had like Popeye she arms. She guns, yeah. Yeah, if she you had some be biceps Lady there. You know? and live up to the comic art, which is always over-muscled in some way, <laughs> you have to have you have to have those shoulder, well, like, the, what is it, the delts or the, whatever, the, the delts. The, the human form <laughs> is idealized oh, yeah. in all the comics, whether you're talking Absolutely. about really? the men, the women, yeah. and all of that if stuff. If they're in the superhero persuasion or the supervillain, others can be whatever they, they tend to be, but yes, I, that I, is true. I was really sice, though, and it, they, the, 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 com- the, sorry, the toys are starting to come, at least the pictures of the toys, and so you see Christian Bale, you know, at least they have the toy of Christian uh, Bale, and you get to see, you know, what his uh, his character looks like, mm-hmm. and then, of course, there was Lady Thor, and she's got Mjolnir, the newly reconstituted Mjolnir, yeah. and uh, it was just, I thought it was just really cool i was just wondering like what you all thought mike what would you think i'm excited and i i didn't like thor the first two movies i was like he's fine he's okay they've like, actually had three. <laughs> oh, oh i'm sorry you were gonna no, say no that. no first two yeah, movies but then I, yes okay that. well that, yeah yeah kick my point all over the <laughs> studio <laughs> that. um the third one really pulled that character back together my first watch of that movie i was like eh, it's all right it's kind of a paint by numbers like marvel movie but then in subsequent watches there's so much more added to that movie there's so much more character there's Thank so much you. more heart there's so much more <laughs> to thor that makes him enjoyable and like honestly the whole arc that we get with him during um infinity war and Endgame, like it sounds dumb but like you see a fat guy on screen who's a hero and you normally Mm -hmm. don't see that almost never especially as somebody who can totally appreciate eating your feelings and dealing (laughs) with your ptsd (laughs) through food like it was nice to see i know it sounds dumb but it was nice to see some representation it's not dumb it's not dumb it's a real issue it is yeah no and i i will say i i've when it comes to thor and trailers i've stopped trying to judge because the first Thor trailer I watched, you know, the very first movie, I watched it and I was like, I am not going to like this. Because it was all the fight scenes with the giant ice monsters. That's what they showed in the yeah. trailers. That's what I remember anyway. And then I watched it and I was like, fish out of water romantic comedy. This is awesome. He's hilarious. Everybody's funny. I love the actors. Like, everything about this is... So on the first viewing, Mike, I actually loved Thor 1. Thor 2 was, yep. everybody can agree, it was pretty terrible. Yep. The Dark World, whatever. Um, you know, the Aether and all that craziness but then you know you get Ragnarok and everything and you're just like the the trailers are I watch them and then I go let's see what happens when I sit down to the movie because for some reason like with Marvel movies all the other ones I can kind of tell what I'm probably going to feel and when it comes to Thor I, I can't I'm like I, I sit in the movie and I'm like I think they picked the wrong things to highlight in the trailer because this is what I like you know? Dude, and Ragnarok yeah. was so much fun like uh, from the very first moment with the skeleton and the uh, everything was great, so yeah, I'm excited. But Yuli, you have you and I are older by a mile, and <laughs> but here's <laughs> the thing. Thanks for that. But we remember the '70s, right? And doesn't this movie remind you a little bit of Ban Art from the '70s? I'm sorry, which movie? Ban. Uh, basically, remember in the '70s, people used to have the bands. Uh, 
Oh. And people used to paint on the side of bands. Oh, fantasy. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and mm-hmm. in Ragnarok yeah, as yes. well? That's the a- thing. An aesthetic that Taika <laughs> is using. Yeah. And it's a joke for people who are older. It's like, remember all that cool stuff from yeah. the 70s yeah. that we used to like love? The- like the cover of a Led Zeppelin album. Yes. I mean, he it's leaned like, way yes. into that in Thor Ragnarok. No kidding. It's like he saw Jack Kirby and he said this. He's, I, w- <laughs> I would. I, I have not met him in person and I would love to just because I have no idea what the encounter would be like. Usually you can kind of tell. Usually you can yeah. be like, oh, I think this person might be. I have no idea. Did you guys watch him in Free Guy? As the the you know uh, guru who not guru the the awful owner of the company that has anyone seen Free Guy but me you're yes. all looking at me like okay yeah, I, I, I love Free it. Guy no. you should watch it it's so much fun I watched it tw- I've watched it again now and it's super fun on a rewatch too but he plays like the mogul of this like uh, video game industry c- uh, company without really understanding what went into the creation of the video game Joker. and he's <laughs> yeah and he's so like just over the top and out there on purpose and it's so enjoyable and I feel like I have n- no idea what he's like in person but I would love <laughs> to find out <laughs> I, from what I heard it, he's enjoying the best uh, life ever he's living that. his best life yeah, it's like, he's like <laughs> I okay. not, that's exactly what I think is it would it's it like, would be like that it, whatever the encounter is yeah. that's the vibe I would probably yeah, get yeah it's like I think that's the reason why people in Hollywood tend to like him because I think he's self-aware enough to realize yeah how lucky he is in terms of the stuff. Mm-hmm. And that's why he keeps getting so much work and that's why he works that so comes, that much. And he's having that fun comes with through it. in his work though. Yeah. He really does. Like I saw, there's a show that was on FX called Reservation Dogs that he was involved with. Oh, right. That is absolutely delightful. And you can you can feel him in it. Like mm-hmm. his energy is contagious. And like, that's what's so awesome is like, he's having a blast. The things that he works on, you can tell the people are having a blast. And yeah. we were talking about Natalie Portman, perfect tie-in. She wouldn't be back to play Jane Foster yeah. if it wasn't for Taika Waititi. Yeah. Because yeah, yeah. she was done. Mm-hmm. She was done after the second one, but he convinced her to come back. So yeah. there you go. I'm super looking forward to it. I think it's gonna be fun. And actually, the funny thing is going to be that a lot of people who are uh, going to have a problem with later, I'm telling you right now, that a lot of the uh, certain segments of the fandom are going to have a big, big, big Are, are these the you segments know, that never read the Lady Thor comics probably. because Thor can't be a lady? I was getting ready to say <laughs> that some of them are going to have less uh, of a problem because they are aware of the history with this particular yeah. character, particularly the what if. And then uh, the run. I want to say it was when Oliver Copiel was uh, doing the art. Yeah. You know, and those are substantial runs on the mm-hmm. character. Oh, I and know. so the, these, you know, some of these. Uh, I was going to say incels, but I didn't want to use that term. <laughs> but hey, here we are. Oh, I was just but talking about yes, that it, this morning. Yeah, anyway, yeah. yeah. But some of these guys are going to want to demonstrate their comics knowledge, and so yeah. it's it's yeah. going to be tough it's because be on the one hand they're like. I want to denigrate this, but on the other hand, I want to celebrate it because they're actually going from the comic, and I'm aware of the comic, and so there's going to be a dilemma. Well, that's what yeah, that's what's goes. fascinating. Mm-hmm. If it wasn't already in the comics, it would. I'm sure that the take would be very different from a certain demographic of the population. But because yeah. it was already founded in the comics, thank mm-hmm. goodness, it's maybe going to be a different spin. There's still going to be people who don't like it. I like like the impression. Hold that thought just a second. You're listening to Fantastic Forum on WERA 96.7 FM and streaming via WERA.FM. Radio Arlington. I'm Ulysses E. Campbell. I'm joined today by Mike Lunsford 
and Roberto Ortiz and Emily Witten. We've been talking about the trailer that was just released for Taika Waititi's Thor, Love and Thunder. So I, I have yes. the impression specifically that what they're setting up for, they're not going to kill Thor. And I think what's going to mm -hmm. happen is that they're setting up that Valkyrie might be bored being the leader of the Asgardians. Mm -hmm. And the whole, if you follow the thematic, the theme of Thor from the beginning until the end, is that he's been skirting the concept that he is doesn't want to rule. And that uh, I believe the way this movie is going to end is that the superhero is going to be Jane Foster, but the person who's going to be the leader of the Asgardians in terms of the surviving Asgardians is going to be him. And that's, it's a good tie-in in terms of the character arc for him. Um, and I would be okay with that, actually, if they go that way. That's an interesting, yeah, that's an interesting point. I, I can't see how she still got the hammer at the end of this movie. Really? I, yeah, you know, because, again, this is something that it came and went in the comic books. Yeah, but, I yeah. mean, I feel like they could do it in the Marvel Cinematic, the MCU, the Marvel yeah. Cinematic Universe. I, You know, it's, one of the joys of the MCU is how they can do... It is its own thing. It is yep. its own thing. And, mm -hmm. like, I, like, I'm thinking, as we're talking about Thor, Love and Thunder and the whole, like, crazy, you know, like, approach to it, I'm thinking of also Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness. Yeah. And well, how that comes out sooner. It's, yeah, I'm excited <laughs> about that, and it's supposed to be, like, a straight-up horror thing, basically. Well, like, it's, yeah. it's a I mean and we've seen we've seen some you know clips of that and it's like a totally different mood and it's in the same universe and it's it's gonna work I know it's gonna work because they're practiced at this by now so I could see got them. A formula. I could see them setting it up in a way that Jane still keeps well, the hammer it's mm -hmm. very easy for them to have a cop-out for this because she keeps the hammer. She's an alternate reality version. We've already split the multiverse into a million pieces because also of, of Spider-Man. Mm -hmm. Like, there, there's so much going on yeah. that all they have to do is they're like, well, okay, there's a version where Jane Foster is Thor. Period. Done. End the, of it. the joy of the comics world is that once you adapt it into movies, you can do almost anything and have a justification because the creators of the comics already thought it out for you. <laughs> and actually, I also I, I think they're going to keep it simple. I think it's just that he's going to keep basically the current hammer he has. Uh, Stonebringer, I believe, is the name of the hammer. Mm. Uh, I think that Jane Foster is basically going to keep her version of the hammer because what happens is when he broke, they needed somebody else who was worthy and she's dying of cancer and blah, blah, blah. Magic, magic, magic. And she becomes magic, worthy. Magic. She becomes magic, worthy. Magic, magic. I love uh, it. So. I, Kevin Feige likes to keep it simple. And one of the things I like, admire a lot about him is that he is inspired by Marvel continuity, but he's not bound by it. Yes. And fans accept and like that. Something that could be said for Halo fans and the TV show, by the way. <laughs> uh, uh, so. Uh, but Master that's Chief very... took his helmet off. That's yeah. no good. Uh, <laughs> but, but you you want to see Bobo's oh, driver's head. You want to see yeah. his face. The thing is, that's very important, though, because you to adapt it to another media medium, you have to be faithful enough that people are still going to connect with it who like the comics, and then you also have to be able to make it work outside of that. And now I'm picturing, uh, like, the end scene or the end whatever credit is the crossed hammers yeah. with, like, a total, like, rock album side yeah. of the band. Yeah. Like, it's <laughs> love, I, I, I mean, the theme of the movie is Love and Thunder. The whole point is exactly. basically him 
forming a working relationship with a relationship <laughs> with Jen Foster and being yeah. okay with being second banana. Right. We, we, <laughs> we'll see what happens because hey, the movie is getting ready to come out, and well, you know, not until the summer, but. It, 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 and and we will find out. I mean, I, I was just saying what I was because, again, it, with these characters, it, there are certain formulas they stick to. And uh, Lady Thor was, hey, it came, it went. But who knows? The MCU is its own thing. Look, moving along, I, before the end of the show, I had wanted to get to this um, crowdfunded uh, charity book. Oh, yeah. Oh, cool. Yeah. Yes, amazing. Comics for yeah. Ukraine, Sunflower Seeds. How much had you all heard about this uh, I, before I was talking about it no, earlier today? I mean, to today? be honest, you told me about it, and then I looked it up, and I was like, oh, he's an editor at IDW, and ah, like, I had heard go. his name mm-hmm. before, um, you know, in, in connection with IDW projects, but um, the names that are connected to this are A lot of big names. Super Biggest impressive. names in comics. All the big, it's, you know what it is? I love Baltimore Comic Con as one of the cons that brings all the best creators together in their, you know, artist alley and everything. And that's what this sounded like. This yeah. list was like all the creators who end up in Baltimore's artist alley. I mean, not that, that the other cons I wouldn't be don't, surprised. Basically, you know. that's where the Rolodex came from. Well, that's like, what I'm saying. Like, I mean, all cons have, you know, great, great uh, guests and everything. But I, I go into Baltimore Comic Con, one of our local cons, and I just am like, every great yep. creator is right here. And that's what this book sounds like, is all the great creators contributing... And it yeah it did remind me of exactly the Rolodex for Baltimore Comic Con yeah. when I was reading through everybody who's contributing. Mm-hmm. It yeah, sounds well, Mark great. Mark Nathan does a great job keeping this a comic centric show, unlike yes. a lot of the shows that have turned multimedia. But um, yeah, just looking at some of this stuff, I mean, and I like the idea of something charitable on behalf of the comics industry Funny. because mm-hmm. this it, it's a horrible tragedy that's going on right now over yeah. in Ukraine. Everybody has got thoughts on it, but Screw the you know Russia, the, the well, but, but here, but here's the thing: it's the refugees, yeah. the uh, and the Ukrainian people, you know, who are really taking it on the chin yeah, and so doing suffering. something on behalf of Ukrainian refugees. I, I just think it it speaks to what is best about the American comics industry mm-hmm. that this is something that they wanted to undertake funny and, thing you know? you're saying that because I was talking to a buddy of mine who is uh, he's, um, he has a story and I had a long 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 conversation with him about this because he's not happy about it hmm. he's actually angry because he was telling me how do they dare they basically exploit this blah 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 and this is a serious historian he knows his stuff he's mm-hmm. really good i love the man with all my heart and if he's listening to this dude i love you but the point he was making specifically is that he felt that this somehow lessens what's going on with the horrors and then i had to explain to him you know there's comic books basically have been there in the past like mouse like uh Persephone, um, mm-hmm. think of a couple that uh, uh, that talk about difficult subjects like this. Yeah, and it's fascinating for me in terms of how we are so used to being in our own community and understanding uh, the fact that this stuff is talked uh, in it. But for people coming from the outside, they might not get it. Oh, that's a good point. Yeah. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Well, I hope this thing raises a bunch of money. I mean, Me the too. fact that you know yeah. seventy-eight thousand dollars in the first few days, really? and yeah, wow. yeah. Oh, didn't you hear what oh, I said? That yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's like you know, and wow. they don't he know exactly his thoughts. <laughs> when it's going to be published, but 
it, it, it's certainly going to be soon. And you know, for something that has all these talented creators assembled, uh, it's going to make a bunch of money. I mean, yeah. you know, it's going to make a bunch of money. And so, I like I said, I think that's great. Some way that. Uh, you know the American comics industry can have an influence positively on behalf yes. of Ukrainian refugees. So, mm-hmm. um, I had really there had been one of the topic I was trying to get to, but we're out of time oh, yeah, for today's whole, show. That's a full show. So trust much to me. talk about. Uh, no doubt. Yeah. Well, there's always more to talk about. Thank heavens. I'd like to thank my panelists and you too for having tuned in. Of course, Fantastic Forum is also a television show. You can check it out online at fantasticforum.tv also check your local listings because there's still a station or two that are carrying it even though i haven't done a new ff television show in a little while uh so check your local listings also you can check out the radio show each and every saturday from four to five here on wera and the show re-airs each and every thursday afternoon from three to four And the show is also available as a podcast. Thanks to Mike Lunsford and the Great Geek Refuge, you can find it on all the platforms where you can find find and download your favorite podcasts. And, of course, I want you to come back again next week. Same bat time, same bat station. In the meantime, you might consider donating to WERA. You might consider donating on behalf of Ukrainian refugees. You might consider just trying to be a good person because that's important too. And we don't want you sexually harassing anybody or uh, bullying anybody or just misbehaving and, and, and treat everybody with the same respect and dignity and courtesy that you would want yourself. And enjoy the rest of your weekend.